Hello, and welcome to the Mid-Jump After Dark. I'm here with Jeff Onan. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mitch. I like the the sultry, smooth, molasses sounds of that After Dark type of voice you're pulling off right now. Yeah, the regular Super Jump podcast gets my strained tenor impersonation, but the Mid-Jump After Dark gets my absolutely authentic, smooth, baritone voice. Uh, Here... At the mid-jump after dark, we're not about editing, we're not about planning, we're not about much things. In fact, it is in itself a product of the fact that Wednesday's tomorrow, and I forgot to record something before Wednesday. But here we are for the mid-jump after dark. Jeff, are you drinking anything right now? I am. I'm drinking um, a beverage. I'm drinking Kraken spiced rum because, you know... Kraken, it's kind of a piratey feel, and pirates are in right now. Are you drinking it straight or on ice or with tonic? What are on, you doing? On ice, just just a glass of of rum and ice. Hmm. Iced That's, rum, uh, iced and spiced. Right, reminds me of my college days. Rum and rum and ice is a good because it's sweeter than most hard alcohols of its same alcohol capacity. It's yeah, it's a, definitely a different feel than like whiskey on Mm -hmm. the rocks you know that's kind of a very of a a sharp taste to it and uh this is smoother than that in a yeah in that kind of way it's rich smooth black dark actually some might say after dark Ooh, it's post dark (laughs) yeah it's it's perfect dark Ooh, that's a video game. By the way, this is a video game podcast. <laughs> I don't know if we did that yet. <laughs> um, my drink. I'm. I'm also drinking something. I, I'm drinking a uh, a gin drink. I mixed about like in a tall glass. I put about two shots of gin in it, and then a can of cran raspberry Lacroix. Ooh, that sounds I, uh, good. I like gin and tonics, and it occurred to me suddenly, hey, wait, I like LaCroix much more than I like tonic. Let's, that's kind of the same thing. Why don't I just substitute? And you know what? It's great. That sounds great. I mean, that's a winning combination right there. The measurement was a bit off. Um, it, Too if much... you want to recreate it at home, you should probably do less gin to this to, uh, to LaCroix than I did. It is a bit strong. Um, Mine, my ratio is a bit off too. There's a little bit too much ice and not enough rum. You know, you got to look, look out for that. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, believe it or not. Um, uh, and also nothing to talk about today. Simultaneously. A very, a very packed like agenda, that. a very packed agenda for a, a very improvised, uh, mm-hmm. last minute type of deal. Yeah. There's a few things we want to get to. Um, I think we're both somewhat hesitant somewhat excited for the new smash brothers we've uh both been paying attention to sea of thieves after its launch and we've been watching the game change and evolve and jeff you recently got into the pokemon anime um in in a in a big way or I, i suppose a comparative big way to any listeners we might or might not have uh, and there's some other stuff we want to talk about today first. Jeff, I'm going to hand it to you. What What's on your mind? What's burning? What do you want to talk about first? Um, Man, you know, I wasn't prepared to answer that or, or any questions. But 
I'll give it my best shot. I'm well, Jeff. I, you know what? I gotta tell you, being unable to answer the question "What do you want to talk about first is not a great sign for a podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, I just preparation isn't my deal. I'm, I mainly read off the teleprompters. Um, sure. But the production values here at the Mid Jump are a bit more uh, down home. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Uh. Really, kind of it, it, as far as the in the world of video games this is a video game podcast it is a video Uh, game podcast in terms of the realm of video games really the main thing that's been on my mind today uh is sea of thieves had a patch and uh added some new content in terms of cosmetics but also some other little things that uh have me kind of excited for the future um so i've been playing that and and that's kind of that's been my primary headspace right here um so i haven't played sea of thieves in about a week and a half um which might spoil for the listeners my 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 thoughts on the game um they already know it though i've talked about it before um what what happened what what changed today um well there have been a this is patch uh 1.0.6 um and i feel like every one of those point decimal patches has has been um minor but positive change uh for okay. just as an example uh 0.5 um one of the numerous things they added or fixed was they took the ammo chest uh which on your ship is parked right next to your weapon armory and they moved it over so that when you're trying to access the ammo chest in a hurry you don't accidentally grab the weapon thing today Where'd they put they, it just like one foot to the left oh okay which makes a lot of sense um, on both kinds of boats on a sloop and yes, a galleon on both kinds of boats um as of point six today's update they took uh the bell placement on the sloop which was right to the to the right of the ladder that you take to your crow's nest and they took that bell and they put it around the back side of the crow's nest so that when you're trying to climb the ladder you don't ring the bell because it happens all the time on the sloop. Um, little things like that. Uh, they they're tweaking, you know, they're tweaking the accuracy on the skeleton uh, cannons, so they're not just like you know, basically aim aim bots. Um, right. Little little quality of life changes are happening. Nothing major yet, except today they did add seven new sets of full full sets of cosmetics, um, full outfits for your pirate to wear including some ship cosmetics. Um, and I spent about 270000 in in-game dollars um, today getting a full set of ship cosmetics and, and pirate cosmetics. Um, and I feel like now is the first time since the game launched that um, they have the right amount of cosmetics for, for probably where they should have launched. I feel like I have a lot I, of I feel like choices. that sentiment is is going to be happening a lot in a lot of different areas of the game as it progresses forward toward a more um full package right like, definitely I, I i saw some of the pictures of the uh cosmetics and all of them are are interesting and good but they also all um aren't crazy these things seemed like they should have been there with the base set of everything else day one 
Um, yeah. And like, like it, it's different versions of the Admiral, Sovereign, Bilge Rat, and Sea Dog things, which were already in the game. These aren't just recolors. They're, like, different things, but they are still in those classes, which already happened. I would assume that the... I would have assumed that the new additions to the roster of aesthetics would be outside of those classes, like additional classes. Um, but the fact that they're part of the old ones makes me think, yeah, this probably should have been here earlier. I agree. I think that um, the the base set that they launched with, only four different sets uh, of cosmetics, plus the legendary stuff that, that no one obviously had access to at launch, you know, right, right away. Um excuse me, but it was in the game. So five, I guess you could say five or whatever sets. As a a player who you want to set yourself apart, as soon as you have enough money to buy cosmetics, you want to start to deck out your pirate. You want to give your pirate a identity. And the limited choices they launched with were disappointing. Um, but right now, right where they're at, I feel like there is... Like a great amount of variety. I have enough options to make really any pirate I could want, I feel like. And I, I know that there's obviously endless possibilities they could continue to add, but I feel like the point where it hit today, I'm satisfied with my options in terms of uh, being able to customize my pirate. If they didn't add any new ones, I'd be happy with the options I have to play with now. Now I do want them to add new ones, and, and they will. And like sure, you said... Yeah. None of these are crazy. None of these are necessarily like you know special or extravagant. Um, they're I always of think of the standard. The uh, Star Wars Battlefront, the EA one, had a hot pink Darth Vader, um, specifically because they have this system of loot boxes and unlocking new aesthetics through ways that they actually want you to pay for with real money. Um, they have to go crazy. They have to pass a line that, like, before the line would have represented respect toward their um, their source material, you know? And past that line is just anything you want. Like, Ready Player One Oasis style. We gotta talk about anything that you just kind of want to see. Um, and... While I was kind of annoyed by it for Hot Pink Darth Vader because it represented all of these, you know, microtransaction things EA was doing, I kind of wanted it day one with Sea of Thieves. I, I, I know that right now, even with all the things they added today, they are still very much um, authentic pirate things. And I this is the kind of game where I want to look like a Hot Pink Darth Vader. This is the kind of game where I think it just give me a suit that makes me look like a pirate wearing a mascot suit for like a like a restaurant like a fast food restaurant that the mascot is Banjo Kazooie like that that's the kind of thing I want to see in this silly game about having fun with my friends, um, and right now a lot of the things I'm seeing in the game this isn't that much of a knock I, I'm this is. I want to clarify, this is a good thing they did today. They added more costumes. Awesome. Uh, I'm just saying that the costumes, the way that they are, seem to represent this pirate RPG. This, like, pirate epic storytelling thing that maybe the earlier promotional materials of the game 
told the story of the game being, but the current game itself isn't that. It's a silly, having fun with your friends kind of game. Definitely. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I think that um, pretty much, you know, the people who detract from the game, the people who support the game and and, um, defend the game, most of us can agree that there's... uh, the game wasn't quite there at launch and that it's going to get there or it has the potential, it has massive potential to expand. And I expected it is going to do that. Um, and what they've shown so far, what they've explained so far, what they've teased all points to that happening. Um, and so today I'm, I'm happy with the direction they're moving. Um, another thing that came in this update, and this one is more interesting than any of that is um, sort of, a tease or a maybe a hint an easter egg of sorts um towards what their big content update is going to be coming possibly next week sometime in the next couple weeks the Ooh, hungering tell me the about hung- that the hungering deep update is coming and mm-hmm. as of 1.0.6 the newest patch uh in the game there's a there are three uncharted islands uh, you're, you're aware of this so there's uncharted islands yeah, yeah. that that currently have no functionality they're just there um one of these uncharted islands has a sunken shipwreck uh crashed in the you know in the scenery and uh it up until today that shipwreck did not have a name as of today's update the big you know kind of nameplate that goes on the boat um that was previously blank changed to give that ship a name on this random uncharted island that has no functionality and the name of the new ship or the the new name of the ship is the killer whale the killer whale a killer killer whale whale. the killer whale the killer whale is the name of this boat the boat is called the killer whale the boat that sunk at this uncharted island is named the killer whale um the name of the upcoming update is the hungering deep uh craig duncan Craig Duncan on the inside chat, whatever. For those YouTube who don't know, series. Craig Duncan is the uh, the studio head at Rare. I just assumed every person just knew who he was, but you're right. Probably most <laughs> of them don't. Um, uh, yeah, this is this is not a Rare podcast. This in, is just gaming. Form, so, so so a a spokesman for Rare uh, or the director of Rare um, said in YouTube video last week. That before the Hungering Deep update, there would be hints and um, clues mm-hmm. before that update comes. Um, we know that the Hungering Deep update, based on its name, has something to do with something uh, possibly on you know a, a water-based threat, something in the water, and and they said it's going to come with an AI threat that players have to deal with. So we think it's the giant whale items. We think it's going to have to do something with whales. Killer whale, giant whale, whaling. We know that from um, a previous uh, data mining that there are harpoon items. Harpoon items are something that exists um, that are not in the current build of the game. So we have a bit of a clue here as to the direction they're going, um, possibly next week, possibly in the next coming couple weeks. And that's exciting. Now, Jeff, do you think... This is going to maybe be a small deal to some of the diehard Sea of Thieves fans. But to me, as someone who... 
I let my Xbox Live Gold subscription lapse because I was not particularly excited about continuing to go back to the Sea of Thieves. Do you think this is going to be something where there's some NPC on an outpost that has a story about being attacked by this whale and that wants to offer a reward for killing the whale or fighting it in some way and gives you a clue as to where it is so you go there and it's the story thing that has i mean not story as in like there's lore behind oh this whale's dad was actually an abusive dad so it's just mean because of that i mean story as in like maybe there is a special sequence for fighting this whale that isn't necessarily just related to you know, the way that you would find a kraken, which is to say uh, it, it would just be around and you you sail into it. Do you know what I mean? What, what do you think is going to yeah. happen here? Is well, this going to be story-based? The other thing that we know um, when they laid out their content roadmap for what was coming is they said that the new uh, new AI threat, is how they described it, would also be accompanied by an in-game event um, a limited time event. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna highlight that new the new features of this update. So um, after that event is over, those new features are just gonna become an element of the game. Okay. But there will be an event that's gonna highlight those features. It's gonna introduce them to the world. We so have no, no idea that, what that means. But um, I mean, when I hear that, and when I think of whaling as the potential clue to what this is i think that the event is kind of like what i described with the npc telling me about this giant whale and then from then on in the game there are just regular sized whales that you can encounter and possibly like harpoon if that's what the thing is do you think that's likely do you think that's what they're doing i, th I think that definitely I, I'm I feel confident and I and it's possible I turn out to be wrong. I feel like there will be some level of NPC integration into this story. It won't okay. be something necessarily very scripted, necessarily very um like story heavy in the sense that you progress along plot beats from yeah. a chapter yeah. one to a chapter two to it might be so much as a simple introduction and then go out and do it and then an ending or something along those lines. Um, but I, I, I do believe that they'll incorporate the NPC structure they currently have. Let, let's just point this out real quick. The, the game, they for the game, they created something they call the random, uh, the infinite pirate generator. Yeah. Um, which is how you select your character at the start of the game. It, it it generates random pirates, infinite different combinations, and it lets you pick from the combinations it puts together because they're pre kind of pre orchestrated to be decent looking. A very um, controversial decision, but yeah. Yes, pissed off a lot of people. Um, in terms of being able to design your player character, people didn't like that. But actually, that feature was not designed for player use at first. It was designed for the team to be able to generate uh, NPCs on the fly without like having to actually design them. Um, and which is a shocking 
thing to know, considering how few NPCs there are in the game, and that the game doesn't actually generate any of them at random. The, all, there's only, you know, there's a few dozen of them in the game, and they're all constant. They've been there since day one. They're not randomly generated. Well, right, they aren't. I I do think that will come in as a feature that there will be randomly generated NPCs that will interact in the world. I don't know when that will come or if it will be tied to this, but I think that either with that or with the current NPC structure, they'll use that to introduce their new features. They'll use the the trading companies, um, the you know that sit at the outposts and the barmaids and the um, the, the the very few NPCs they currently have. Or maybe add in a new NPC at the outpost, and they'll be the one to tell you, "Hey, there's this crazy whale out there that it said that if you can kill it, you'll be able to get all the treasure that it eats, or whatever." Something simple, probably. Um, Something that came to mind when when you were talking about how it wasn't meant to be originally for player characters was the fact that one of their next updates, not for the Hungering Deep. Hungering Deep might not use this at all. I mean, it may, but it also may not. Um, it, one of their next updates is called Cursed Sails. And a lot of people are thinking that that's related to ghost ships. Um, ghost ships that patrol the seas. Kind of, mm. they're an AI version of what the players are also doing. Those ghosts need to be pirates themselves despite the fact that you know their legs are kind of just ending in like a wibbly wobbly little spiral thing but their their top half is a random pirate so that that would make sense if that was used for that um that That would would make sense yeah yeah. definitely if yeah and i hadn't thought of that but yeah um so there you go i i think that what we need to know going into these updates is not to put expectations too far through the roof uh, yeah. that the game will become something different than it is. Um, I think for the most part, what you're going to see, the game's going to expand quite a bit beyond what it currently is, but at its core, at its, you know, at its heart, it's probably going to follow a lot of the same decision-making that led to it being what it is. Um, so I think that they're going to find ways to use what's in the game in, in new ways um, add new things that complement the things that are in the game, but I really don't know if they're going to ever do anything like uh, an extensive single-player campaign, um, a PVE type of mode where you're not uh, not interacting with other players. It's some kind of, um, you know, uh, we might get things that are more scripted than what they currently are, things that involve more dialogue, things that involve more NPCs, but the game is never going to become something other than a shared world adventure sort of um basic sure shared world type of experience the pvp element to it all of that um i I don't think it's going to change much so you know my my expectations are tempered in that way i uh i i i agree with you i i think that this roadmap that they've put out detailing what the hungering deep is maybe going to contain in cursed sails and forsaken shores uh, which are the next major updates, alongside the constant weekly updates, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, the the big thing here is not any of these individual things, and it's that the promise of this game being what maybe we we thought it could be does seem like it will happen in at least a year's time. 
All of these things will add up. They will make a, a, a crazy different game. And I know for a lot of people, including myself, really, I had to come to terms with this. Like a year. A year's a long time. But all of the time after that year is infinite. So compared to that one year, it's, you know, a lot a lot bigger. So well, I, it, I, I, I'm excited to see Sea of Thieves grow into what um, I would argue it should have been, but at least other people can say it could have been. I'm excited for that. Yeah, and, and what I like most about it, what you alluded to, is that um, following the Hungering Deep update, uh, that that update will also trigger what I think is going to be the, the biggest new feature of the game going forward is that uh, weekly events are going to be a thing, starting with the Hungering Deep and presumably going to be every week from now until forever, mm-hmm. at least until, you know, for a year or more out into the future. Um, every week, we'll have an in-game event dedicated to some new feature or new idea or a new item or, or just something that changes things up and engages the community. And, uh, you know, I don't expect every player to stay engaged every week. Um, and I expect a lot of players have already disengaged and might come back in yeah. because of one, because of one of these weekly events that triggers their interest. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's me. I, uh, I, I'm not really planning to come back until the hungering deep and only then am i am i really going to stay there if the hungering deep provides a a really good way to say hey sometimes your day-to-day picking up a voyage and going somewhere can can break down i want the loop to break down the loop is really frustrating to me because it's it's most games have a loop especially in this um, in modern design philosophy, loops are held up as a very positive aspect of game design. But I would, I mean, I personally hate them. I, I think that loops feel like I understood what you were trying to do with the first loop. Every time you repeat it, it it's kind of a variety of wasting my time. And if Hungering Deep can add something that's like, sometime your loop just breaks down, it's this completely different thing. That's that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm with you there. And I think that um, there's different ways to approach that in terms of uh, changing up the, the systems that are already in the game, but also just adding variety into those systems. And I think that they're going to approach it from both of those angles. Um but I think that the more variety you throw into the system, the more things that you can come across and encounter that are going to pull you in a different direction or change the way you approach a problem um, just by the number of things that are there in in quantity. I think right. that there's a quality and quantity. Both factors are going to be added to the game um, and, and tweaked in the game. Um, so I'm excited. And I don't think we'll have to wait very long to see the Hungering Deep. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, it should be within the next uh, week or two, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Some people kind of timed out the the release date and space between their what they put on their roadmap, and they figure that May seventh or May eighth, which would be about a week from today, uh, would be about time for this one. 
if it stuck with the schedule of all the future updates they laid out. The only reason I'm doubting that is that if it was that soon, I feel like they would say something about it now. And they had an opportunity. They just made a video today where Joe Neat, who is the uh, the lead producer of the game, executive producer, I don't know their terminology, but he's he's like the main producer of the game. Uh, he came out in, in front of a camera and just detailed future plans and, and their attitudes towards certain things that are coming up soon. And I feel like that would have been a great opportunity to put a date on, on it. Uh, so if it was in the next week, I kind of don't expect it. But I, I do expect it next two weeks. That sounds right. Um, something like that. Something like that. Jeff, want to play a game? Oh, yeah. I, I, this is a, a podcast about games. This is a podcast about games, and normally we don't have games that we play on them, but I thought of a couple games. Um, I am on wikipedia.com. Please don't go there yet. Oh, good. Okay. Did you you do it? No, no. I actually haven't. Be honest. I I don't even own a computer. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, by the way, it's not wikipedia.com. It's en.wikipedia.org so maybe that would have (laughs) prevented you from going there as soon as i said it because the (laughs) thing i said isn't the real website um i am looking at today's featured article okay the object of this game jeff you have three guesses and three questions you can you can mix them up as as much as you want um, you need to guess with at least one of your guesses what this article is. So think of your questions. Think of, think of what you could use to narrow down what this article is. Today's featured article. Um, yikes. I know what you're thinking right now. Mitchell, this is a bad game. <laughs> but... I, I might be thinking that. <laughs> you might be thinking that. But I feel like this is at least, this is less completely esoteric than I would have expected today's feature article to be. That is a hint, and you get that one for free. Can you repeat the hint? It's less esoteric than I would have assumed today's feature article to be. It's it's not like some guy that fought in the Spanish-American War at one point. It's it's okay. like an important-ish thing. Um. All right, so I, I didn't even know that Wikipedia had a featured article. Yeah, no one goes through the front page of Wikipedia. That's not what we use it for. Okay. I need some questions, I'm gonna, Jeff. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. Okay, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going gonna, gonna to get after it. All right. Is... Wait, do the questions have to be yes or no? Uh, no, because they don't have to be yes or no, considering the fact that Wikipedia is literally the sum of all human knowledge i feel like you can you can use at least some more specific questions okay um is is the article about fiction or non-fiction that is a great question jeff it is about fiction see i'm gonna tell you something i i feel like that question narrowed it down like a tremendous amount and Absolutely. also you did a very good also, job also i feel like at the same time that it is so not narrow enough yet well you still have okay. three guesses and three questions 
Okay. Sorry, two questions. Two questions. Two questions. So, no, two no, questions. no, 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 no. Flip those. No, no, no. I got it right the first time. Two questions, <laughs> three guesses. Okay. All right. I get another question. It's something, the, the featured article has to do with fiction. Yep. Something fictional. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are the things that are fictional? They're probably most fictional things are. Sorry. One, one more free mm. hints I'm going to give you. Oh, yeah. Hit you, me. Okay. You know what this is. This oh, is not see, something great. you've never heard of. Okay. That's yeah. good. That's good. Um, if it's something I've heard of, it's fictional. Is is it in regards to uh literature, something something printed? This is actually a complicated question. I will say yes. It is originally. It is okay. Not, so it's something. Printed it's something thing printed. Is not what most people know it from. It's it's got multiple adaptations. It's been ad- adapted to something non-printed that's fictional. Which yes. All yes. I can imagine uh, that I I think of movies, cartoons, television series. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else besides those things that are fictional and not printed. So. That narrowed it down, I think. But it also, it's something that was printed originally and exists in a non-printed form that I would more likely know it from. I'm getting yes. there. I yes. got two out of three questions down. At least okay. you would be more likely to know it from. And All right. don't try to overthink here, that one. I, I, here we I go. know enough about you to know that you would not know the printed version of this thing. All right. Final question. Mm-hmm. This piece of fiction yep what is its country of origin japan okay three questions down i get three guesses of something that originated in japan that is mm-hmm. fictional it's fictional yes. it is uh originally in a printed form that i would probably not know about but it's more popularly known in a non-printed adaptation mm-hmm. and it's from japan okay and you said it was not that esoteric. You said I will definitely know it. Um, all right, all right. First guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Ball. Oof. Close but no cigar. I feel like, so obviously when I think of J- Japanese things, like... Yeah. Uh, we we think about video games, we think about Nintendo and Pokemon, things that I am very intimately familiar with. But I'm yeah. guessing it's not it's not something that I'm so intimately familiar with. Not something that's so obvious. So um, I, I think if if I can interject in your um stumbling you, toward the it's, abyss. It's your it's your some show. Things you can interject that however. We you would want. assume like associate with Japan very strongly in fiction that would make sense for us on a video game podcast or things from like Nintendo or Square Enix or Capcom. And those things, yes, are in this today's featured articles wheelhouse, but those things, you know, were original for the most part. They were not from a, a literature starting point. Yep. Yep, that's my. So you, that's you need kind to of think with, with that, uh, with that mindset, which is why Dragon Ball was a really good guess. Yeah, I think that's kind of 
basically you described where my brain was going when I said Dragon Ball. Um, right. It's not Dragon Ball. <laughs> I'm super looking forward it's, to editing out all these really long pauses. It's, it's is it um, Naruto? Ooh, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Okay, here's the thing. It is. <laughs> well, then why but, is that reaction? But, but, this article is about an element in Naruto. It is <sighs> not the series itself. <sighs> what? So, I, I'm prepared to offer, like, partial points, because okay. that is way closer than I thought you would get, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, so it's an element of Nar- of Naruto? That yeah. is the is the article. It it uh, it's, it's an article about some person, place, or thing in the series Naruto. All right. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna say this right now. I mm-hmm. have never in my life watched a Naruto. Or okay. Last free hint. You okay. still know this thing. I still know it. Yeah. I don't think I do because if you try, if you ask me right now to name literally any element of Naruto other than the word Naruto, mm-hmm. I don't don't think I could give any answer to that. I know maybe you should a, just do that then. Naruto, is it is it the character, not the series? You got it's, it. Naruto Uzumaki is the fictional protagonist of the Japanese manga series Naruto, created by Masashi uh, Kishimoto, a carefree, optimistic, and boisterous teen ninja who befriends other ninja. He aspires to become the leader of his fictional village, Konohakure. I also haven't seen the show, so I'm sure I'm butchering all of these names. Konohakure. He appears in anime, films, video games, and original video animations, as well as a sequel, Boruto, Naruto Next Generation, with his son Boruto as the protagonist. There you go. You got it. All right. I have two comments. First Mm -hmm. of all, Boruto sounds made up. Yep. It really does. (laughs) Second of all, um, (laughs) I, I feel a little bit like when I said, is it Naruto? That that should have just been like, yes, it is. And that's the end of that discussion. You because, and I, I both mean, know that you weren't thinking of Naruto the character. No, I wasn't. But I mean, come on now. Come on. Come okay. on. You got come it. Second, my you, third you comment. You your uh, third guess on it. My, 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 my third uh, comment, and I know I said I only had two comments, but I'm slipping a little third one in there, Um, is that it's a shame that kind of the the um the mo the the spirit of the mid jump after dark is mm-hmm. a kind of a kind of an unedited uh stream of consciousness kind of thing because i really feel like winning a game should get some like bells and whistles some party balloons that kind of like you know that kind of stuff in exchange that you really for the effort that it would have put in, in to adding bells and whistles I will instead use to make it seem like you weren't spending three hours between each thing that you were saying to make you sound a little bit smarter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that that is your fair prize. Trade. That's a fair trade. Hey, I, uh-huh. I, I, I got that, man. That was cool. I, 
I, uh, yeah. I'm proud of me. Yeah, I'm proud of you, too. That's a good game. That was a good game. All right. S- speaking now, of things to be proud of you about, you've been... <laughs> bad transition. You've been watching <laughs> the Pokemon anime more. Uh, I believe you just started watching Pokemon Sun and Moon. I did. I did do that. Um, In terms of Pokemon anime, just quick overview. I've, yeah. I've watched... Uh, Every series of the Pokemon anime, except for um, everything in Unova, the kind of the fifth generation, is that the, I think the fifth generation? Yeah, of, uh, black and white. Yeah, black and white. Never watched any of that. And I actually stopped. So so I watched everything from the beginning up to somewhere in the Sinnoh arc uh, of the anime. I stopped. But not and the end I of the also, Sinnoh arc? Yeah, I didn't catch the end. I, I stopped somewhere. I don't even know where. I remember there was one gym leader who had fossil-type Pokemon. I thought that was neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, not fossil-type. Uh, it's not a type, but fossil Pokemon. Understood. Um, And I also have watched the X and Y series and the XYZ, the Z series. Um, XYZ. And so so there's a gap in the middle yeah. of Generation 4 and 5, Um, but I've seen quite a bit of pokemon anime because even those a lot of those are like three whole series it's just one generation or or more than that um so a lot of the most diehard fans or sorry let let me rephrase that a lot of the people that know what they're talking about to some degree with the exception of the most diehard fans would agree um if, if they've seen enough of each part of the show that black and white, the thing that you missed, is the worst section of the anime. Well, that's great, because I really didn't have a lot of interest in going to catch up on what I missed. Other did than you, for did like you know that, or did you... Uh... I I think at one point I knew that. Okay. Bef- before talking to you today, I did not know that, but I think at some one point I did. Some arcs have worse writing than normal, and some arcs have worse animation than normal, and... I would argue X and Y, the sixth generation, uh, manages to just line up on like, it seems like they take turns being bad and then good and then bad and then good again. And when I say good, I mean like in terms of what you could possibly expect from the Pokemon anime. X and Y happened to line up where both of those things were good. And black and white happened to line up where both of those things were bad. Um... But Sun and Moon is not something I've seen a lot of. So can you tell me about it? Do you think... You know me quite a bit. Do you think I would like Sun and Moon? To answer that I've question... I've seen like the first couple episodes. To answer that question, I, th- I think I would have to watch more of it. Um, okay. With what I've seen so far... How much have I you seen? I think probably like 10 episodes. Okay. So not much. I think there's 40. There's there's over 40 episodes. Um, We're about a year into it, right? A year and a half? Something like that. Yeah, okay. there, it's it's still going. Um, but I, when I say there's about 40 episodes, that's actually, that is what is on Netflix. So most likely there are more episodes than that. Okay, that's probably, that's the full season, the full first season of it. And then the second season of it is probably like halfway done. So about right. a year and a half. Yeah. So okay. so of what I've seen, I would say so far, I didn't really need to watch it. I could have skipped right over what I've seen so far and been happy. 
Um, it, 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 it's, it's interesting in the sense that it's differently structured than most every other season, which has Ash, Ketchum, and friends, tagalongs, uh, traveling from a town to a town to a town with the goal of uh, doing gym leader battles to get the badges to go to the contest, the Pokemon League Championship, try to become Pokemon Master, etc. And uh, Sun and Moon takes place pretty much all in one area, at least so far. There's not been much at all traveling because there are students attending the school that is uh, the, the principal of the school is Professor Oak's cousin or brother cousin and um, uh yeah cousin yes so anyway point is uh his darker it's, cousin it's, it's yeah he's a tan tan cousin um very it, tan to it, the to the extent that you would maybe guess they were from different races but also it has the excuse of excess sunlight in hawaii or alola uh to maybe make you think that no he started <laughs> they started out the same they just got really really tan yeah Definitely. It's, God it's forbid there be any racial diversity within a family in Pokemon. I think, um, so the fact that it's differently structured makes it interesting, at least, mm-hmm. in, like, in theory. Um, what I've seen so far hasn't been that interesting to me. Because okay. I feel like some of the, um, some of what drives the plot in Pokemon is just the fact that they because they are traveling from town to town it gives them room to write in things to happen and definitely stuff stuff to encounter and so far i haven't really been all that interested it hasn't been that now there is an interesting plot going on with tapu coco that is cool and okay, so i think those you who don't know who are uh humoring us by listening to this pokemon segment of the thing without knowing much about pokemon Tapu Koko is one of the new legendary Pokemons as of Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, it, it's a guardian of this one island that in the show, Ash is Ash is on that island, right? Ash is staying yes. on He's that on the, island. He's on the island that Tapu Koko is the guardian of. And, and I have to is. assume, if I keep watching, he's probably going to travel to other islands. Because okay. he's really just gotten to a point where he challenged the Kahuna... He got a, uh, a a Z move. These are terms that are specific to the Sun and Moon region that I don't think I really need to describe what they are. If you don't know what they are, just assume that's just a thing that happens in Sun and Moon. I don't well, think Kahuna we need to explain. Kahuna is like an actual real world Hawaiian word. Right. It essentially uh, works as kind of boss. like a gym leader. It's a, like yeah. a boss. Yeah. And there's one for each island. I, I'm assuming that fans of soon, Pulp Fiction would probably recognize the big Kahuna burger. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think that they're going to move on to another island because there's not much more you could do here. And then it might get more interesting. The 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 plot where Tapu Koko, the island guardian, is taking an interest in Ash and continually interacting with him uh, in a very sort of mysterious way. That could get interesting. That is sort of a, a, a through line of the plot right now. Um and we don't really know much about the the evil, you know, the 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 bad organization, the crime organization here, the uh, team. I don't Skull. remember the team. 
Team Skull. We don't know much about them yet, so there's a, there's a lot of direction for the plot to go that could get interesting. What's what interesting I, is that yeah, go ahead. The the games Pokemon Sun and Moon had one of the more involved plots that I've seen in a modern Pokemon game, and I, I say modern as post generation, like generation three forward, which I know makes me sound very old, but um, those games have a very similar plot structure, and Sun and Moon still has that structure, but it also has like a lot of context characters and minor events that build up that structure that previous games didn't as much so it's a much more like full narrative and you would think that because it's that way it would make for one of the easiest adapted games in the pokemon series to be part of a like a show instead of a game uh and no like they completely disregarded all of it so I have no idea what's going to happen, which makes it kind of interesting. Uh, like, I don't know what's going to happen in the anime because the games, like, they're ignoring them. They're they're largely ignoring them, except for the fact that it takes place on Alola with Alolan Pokemon. And that at some point in the future, I'm sorry for spoiling this for you, Jeff, because I know you didn't play the games. Um, there will be an invasion of Ultra Beasts to the mainland i'm sure that will also happen beyond that yeah who knows which is exciting i I will say this um if you are not a fan not just a fan of pokemon but like a a big enough fan of pokemon to be into the anime just for the sake of watching it like you're probably not going to enjoy this there's not really a lot to enjoy as a person who just wants to enjoy television in it's the show's defense, be... though, is there any other era of the show or even movies where that isn't true? Well, okay, I think the closest it ever got to being like genuinely quality entertainment might have been XY. But even then, if you weren't interested in Pokemon, you definitely wouldn't be interested in it. But I think that's not really my point. My point is that even if you're interested in Pokemon, you might not enjoy this because it's not particularly interesting or like at least so far in the in the sampling I've watched, nothing has made me say like, man, I wonder what's going to happen next. Better watch the next one. Like it, it, it's very what and, and here actually, you know, what? and me being a person who actually just likes watching the anime, even when it's not that good. One of the things I really like about the anime is that you get to see a new Pokemon, um, you know, Usually, like every episode, they they a lot of them will kind of focus in on a, a species or a family of species of Pokemon uh-huh. yeah. and involve them in the plot. And I like to see the Pokemon animated. I like to see them interacting in nature in a way that you don't see in the video games. Um, and they have like a personality to them and they, they, they're cool and animated. I like that. And I like that aspect of Sun and Moon. But that's kind of like the bare minimum of it that they could pull off. Like, like obviously, that's going to have that. So I am enjoying that element of it. I really liked uh, the Crab Brawler. It's a crab Pokemon. Right, yeah. I thought that was a cool Pokemon. I like they had an episode with some Mudsdales and uh, like they're like mules or, or uh, horses or whatever. They're ponies, uh, yeah. They're, they're a donkey pony. Those were sweet. I thought that was a a good Pokemon. Um, so I I like it from that perspective. That's really why I watch it. 
is now, I like to see the Pokemon. I um my Pokemon fandom if if you can call it that. I don't even really like using the word fandom about anything that I do because it has some connotations of like allegiance that I don't have. Um but for the for the sake of conversation, my Pokemon fandom is much more with video games. Uh First and foremost, that's that's how I got to know Pokemon. That's how I that's the one aspect of Pokemon that hasn't like left me in the dust at some point. Cuz I feel like I, I I got into the video games, I think specifically Red version, uh the trading card game and the show all at the same time because in America they they launched very 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 close together and it it was just immediately a multimedia pop culture craze and then the the trading card games cool but eventually some of those card sets are outlawed in in regular play like you can't use your old cards um and even if they weren't you probably wouldn't want to because they get worse and worse and worse um and it's expensive to keep up and in the show the show is just like every once in a while it thinks that you don't care enough the, about the characters enough so you don't care enough about the characters so it's just going to throw them away and you have to deal with the fact that those new characters are just going to go away and they're going to be replaced by someone that the Pokemon company thinks will be more marketable. While the video games have kind of been the only thing that I've been able to stick with over time. Um, for someone like me, or for someone even like close to how I described that, because I feel like in Pokemon that is a that's not uncommon. Most Pokemon fans are not still keeping up with the Pokemon anime as much as they did when they were five years old. Um, is this worth watching at all? Uh, so far, emphatically, no. Okay. Now, I know that having... Despite you having said that big, long thing about, you know, what what aspect of Pokemon is your main draw be, is being the video games, um, I, I also know from, from talking to you that you uh, quite enjoyed following the X and Y series while it was happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I, uh, and so, yeah, having Sorry, known that... You know, with that backstory um, to my recommendation, I can say that despite knowing that there that you have liked the anime at a point, a very recent point, uh, I can say right now you would you would not have any reason to watch Sun and Moon. Okay. Um, I might still do it for like the important episodes to know ex- like who these characters are because I I this is the first time really. Where I, I can look at a cast of characters. And most of them are based on characters from the video games. But I don't know who these guys are in the anime. Because they're they're students now. Like they were taken from their various roles. Lily is, a, is an important person in the games. For completely different reasons. And all, all of the... Uh, I, I think there's... Lana is one of them. And I'm gonna embarrass myself if I try to remember all of their names. They're they're all in the game, but they do radically different things, 
and they're 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 taken away from their their source materials position for them. I feel out of place. I feel like an old man looking at this show and and <laughs> trying to interpret what the hell is going on. I yeah, don't I, get it. I will keep you posted if if it picks up, if I if I do stick with it, if uh if it gets interesting, if the Tapu Koku uh arc becomes interesting, it has the potential to do that. Um right now I feel like they're spinning their gears because I'm used to the structure of a Pokemon show uh, where progress is measured in distance. It, it's measured in badges earned. Sure, um, yeah. And you could see how far along in the journey they are by where they are on the map. You you know, based on the games and how the games relate to the show, that it's following a loose adaptation of the games. You know that, oh, he's, he's three badges deep, he's at this town, he's done, you know, X amount of the journey. And this show doesn't have that, really. I mean, it kind of <laughs> does. In a loose way, it has that. Um, but in an episode to episode way, uh, it doesn't really. So I don't know. Uh, I'll see how it turns out. It's, it's definitely a little different. Um, not at all as, as exciting right off the bat as Pokemon X and Y was. Um, so we'll see. So Jeff, there's, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, regarding consoles. Oh, good. Yeah. You are a Nintendo and PlayStation fan historically um yes correct if, if you go back you you've had most playstation consoles most nintendo consoles uh you got an xbox one i did i hated myself for doing that by the way uh, now, why why is that really like did it feel that morally incorrect to get an to get an xbox one it felt intensely morally incorrect Wow, why? Um, why do you for, think? for two it was it's two reasons. It's one, it's spending my money to get an Xbox, and two, it's making the conscious decision that I'm not gonna own a PlayStation. And I've never done that. I've owned every PlayStation before the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 1, 2, and 3. Uh but I have I, I am not going to own a PlayStation 4. Um I might someday if I can get one like secondhand or like, you know, on a really good deal. But when I made the decision to buy an Xbox one, it was in lieu of a PlayStation four because I've always been the type of household and the type of buyer who uh, isn't going to own at all. Isn't going to be able to afford both a PlayStation and an Xbox. And so um, the anti Xbox aspect of it is, is an aspect and I can explain it, but but the bigger feel was really like breaking a streak of of sure buyer loyalty and hap you know I and and there's no reason I got a PS4 or there's no reason I didn't get the PS4 that was anti PS4. There's no negative aspect of the PlayStation 4 or of PlayStation in general that made me think, oh, I don't want to support them anymore. I still wanted a PlayStation 4. I was I would have been happy with the playstation 4 um and so it felt like i was just kind of like breaking an oath and breaking you know this sort of unspoken fanhood and, and loyalty that i had built up in my own mind of owning all these playstations and and happily owning them being so very why? satisfied why did you do it why'd you do it why'd, why'd you i do streak? it i did it because e3 2015 had okay uh, a focus on rare 
in a way that Rare hadn't been focused in Microsoft's lineup, um, Rare Rare Studios, uh, in a long time. For for the yeah. people who are listening to this, this is a general gaming podcast. I am not really a general gamer. I'm I've I've got a very narrow list of interests. One of those interests. I don't interests, think anyone is a general gamer. I don't think you have to apologize yeah, for that. Yeah, every everybody has their interests. You know, everyone has their specialties that they're focused in. Their what they're fans of. I am a big fan of Rare. You know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't buy an Xbox, and then I didn't buy an Xbox 360. And in that time frame, Rare made video games, and they looked good. And I played them when I had a chance, and I liked what I played. I liked a bit of Grabbed by the Ghoulies. I really liked Viva Pinata. Uh, I had interest in trying to like Nuts and Bolts. Um, but I, I missed out on those generations of hardware because, I mean, they weren't enough to make me buy a system uh, when I was already happy with the PlayStation I had, you know? Uh, now, I, I, I got to interject here. And, and uh, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but your your perspective here is pretty unique. In the Xbox 360 era, most people were pretty on with the Xbox 360 and thought that it did quite a bit in terms of appealing to a vast demographic of people. In in that time, the the perspective was that Nintendo at, on the Wii was doing, you know, kiddie things and, and uh, I guess, elderly things where, where they were trying to appeal to a blue ocean of people, a, a wider demographic than they've reached before. And the PS3 was doing not much because they couldn't get too many exclusives. And now with the PS4, Xbox One, it, it's it's almost switched between the two, where the PS4 is getting all these exclusives almost without trying sometimes. It, it seems like some games are just accidental exclusives. Like Nier Automata was a PS4 exclusive. Sony didn't... I mean, it didn't seem like they paid for it. It didn't seem like they, they tried to get that, just, you know, that kind of game, or any kind of game, really, that is going to be... Um, quote-unquote current gen which i guess excludes the wii u and the switch because of power um those things are going to the ps4 and not the xbox one if if they're only going to one of them they are going to the ps4 and and you're the opposite of 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 both of those so uh if you don't mind for our viewers why do why do you think that is and i mean listeners when i say viewers well it's a weird thing podcasts I tend to disagree with your assessment of the PS3 versus 360 era. Mm -hmm. I think the PS3 struggled to get off the ground. Uh, It launched very expensively. uh, Definitely. And and with a time gap between it and the 360, it launched sooner. Um, So the PS3 came later. It came more expensive. It took a while to get its foot in the door. Uh, I think that... And maybe you don't have this opinion, but I would have felt that most gamers would agree that by the end of the lifespan of those consoles, they were evenly matched, roughly, in terms of sales, in terms of library of exclusives, in terms of um, you know performance and all, all of those factors. Uh, I definitely think the 360 got off the ground running. I think in the long run, they pretty much evened out. I think that PlayStation even then had had and has a pretty substantial uh 
lineup of exclusive developers. Um, they've got Guerrilla Games. They've got Naughty Dog. They had it. Insomniac Games is not actually partnered or owned with Sony. Um, but up through that era, Insomniac Games worked exclusively for uh, producing software for Sony consoles. Um, it wasn't until more recently that they did some multi-platform games. Um, so I'm a big fan of those companies and the games they make. I big fan of Infamous, um, Ratchet and Clank series, uh, God of War, Uncharted. Those are big name exclusives that all had a big showing on the PlayStation Three. And okay. in addition to that, um, most of the biggest games, I think, of that generation and of this generation are going to be multi-platform. Um, now, like you said, PlayStation 4 has a lot of awesome exclusives, and, play, and Xbox One really, really doesn't. Uh, that, but that, that being is, said... Yeah, as I, much I, as anything showed up for the PS3, they're showing up more for PS4. It definitely. Seems. I, I think that's true. Um, Little Big Planet, that's another big one that I liked a lot. Anyway, my point is that the games were there. Um, and and the big games that a lot of the big games were going to be on both systems. So what I was really missing out on by not getting a 360 was Halo, which was still, I mean, huge name at the time. And, and yeah. And, and let me just say right now, I didn't miss out on these games. I didn't own them. I didn't buy them. But I played the crap out of Halo 3 because I was a social kid. You know, every other household had a 360, every friend of mine. Everyone's got Halo. I played the crap out of that game. It's a good yeah, game. Yeah, I got a, Halo, I got Halo a Xbox 360 for Nuts and Bolts, actually. And I, I, did, I also did not miss out on Halo. I definitely played a lot of Halo that I didn't own. It just happens. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you go, you're going to play Halo. It's just something you're going to do socially in the year 2006 or whatever. You're, you're going to play Halo. Um, anyway, and it's great. Xbox 360 had some great exclusives. Uh, at the time, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything as a PS3 owner. I was very happy with my PS3. PS3 could play Blu-ray discs, which at the time was a big deal, felt like a big deal. Uh, right now... The media playback capabilities are less important, I think, or, or less advertised, or maybe it's just because both consoles are pretty evenly matched, at least to my knowledge. Um, but a 360 felt to me like a cheap piece of hardware, lacking in features, uh, lacking in exclusives. This is how I felt at the time. Uh, you know, what... It, you buy an Xbox 360, it had probably a 60% chance it was just going to stop working one day. That is true. It it did break quite a bit. Um, And I don't mean to disparage people who are fans of that console. It was a very popular console. A lot of people owned it. I think that no matter which side of the spectrum you landed on in that generation, you got to play most of the most of the really great games. You got to play a lot of great games on either console. Um, But anyway, it... it, it some of the anti-Xbox sentiment originated from uh, just being pro-PlayStation. I, uh, you know, PlayStation 1 came out before Xbox was in the game. PlayStation 1, one of the best consoles of all time in terms of software, in my opinion. Uh, sure, yeah, I and, think that's that, totally fair. Yeah, in that generation, I didn't own Especially an Especially for a company's first effort at a thing. 
getting all of yeah. those exclusives. Absolutely. It was it and it's it's great. I love the PlayStation 1. PlayStation 2 is massive. I mean in terms of sales, in terms of software quantity and quality in terms of exclusives and things. PlayStation 2 was the console to beat that generation. There was nobody comes close. Now, I love GameCube. Um but just I mean and I own both. I own a GameCube and a PlayStation 2. Uh, but I didn't feel the need to own an Xbox. Uh, and again, I still played Halo and Halo 2 yeah. at friends' houses and stuff. But anyway, it's just the history of that. Now it's been uh, years of my life, most of my life, playing PlayStation consoles and liking it. And now uh, I'm not going to switch. I, I am excited for the PlayStation 3 because I've been a big fan of the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2. I'm going to wait for the PlayStation 3 to come out while you guys are playing your Xboxes because PlayStation is just the bomb. And that's how I went about it. When it came time to choose between a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox One. Yeah, yeah. I, this is what I want to know. Why? What, why did you do this now? What I, I, I made the choice now? to make the Switch because I'm a huge fan of Rare. I had made the conscious decision to miss out on some games in their Xbox tenure. And now E3 2015, they come out hitting hard with a a compilation that celebrates their history. That's called Rare Replay, which was 30 years of history, 30 different games for $30. Um, and at the same time, they announced Sea of Thieves. So this was sort of a one-two punch. Sea of Thieves looked awesome. And I could tell, even back then, it was going to be the game that my community of friends, of Rare fans, were going to spend time together socially doing it was going to be something that if I wasn't a part of it, just as the social experience, I was going to be missing out on something. And I had already had that feeling when Conquer Live and Reloaded came out uh, as a big multiplayer experience that DK Vine, uh, which is the fan site that I frequent, that's um, a rare fan site, that community bonded together while playing an online video game that Rare made. And I missed out on it because I didn't buy an Xbox. Sure. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to miss out on Sea of Thieves, and I'm glad I didn't. I'm enjoying Sea of Thieves. I'm happy I bought my Xbox. Um, but it was it was a combination of that and also being able, through Rare Replay, to catch up on everything I had missed. And I and like I said, I hadn't really actually missed everything. I had played all those Rare games up until that point, but now I finally had a chance to own them and then sure. really delve into them. Um, so that was the main motivating factor. I felt like at the same time, um, Phil Spencer kind of took over um, Microsoft Game Studios. He didn't take over. That sounds aggressive. He became in charge. Uh, and I felt there's a, a cultural shift in the company that made me feel more comfortable supporting them. Uh, up to that point, I had got the feeling, or maybe I had built up the narrative in my own head, that Microsoft isn't into games and gamers they are into making money, which obviously is the MO of all companies, all businesses. Um, but Microsoft didn't go out and build a studio to create great games. They just found a studio that was working and they bought it. That was kind of their thing. They didn't they didn't actually make any exclusive games. They'd find a company that's already making a game and pay to have it be exclusive to their console for six months or whatever and make a deal with this guy, which None of that is actually as nefarious as I make it sound or, you know, 
built it up in my head. Um, but I felt there was a change of culture in the company that made me more receptive to supporting them. Yeah. We talk a lot on the Super Jump podcast about um, Microsoft being weirdly the good guys in the console wars. They seem like they're the ones that want to do all these really nice things. Like they're they're constantly pushing updates to their Xbox Live um, software, the software that you don't know that you have, but it's the software that makes connecting online relatively seamless and painless. Um, that's constantly getting better. So you you imagine that the the ten bucks a month or whatever that you're paying for Xbox Live actually is doing a thing, and they're they're they made a. Did you did you remember? Uh, did you get this? Do you remember when they did Phantom Dust? They did a remake of Phantom Dust, which was like an old school Xbox original game. Um, it, a remake for HD consoles, HD televisions, uh, completely the same gameplay wise, but like all these minor modern touches that made it more approachable. And then they just said, "Oh, actually, it's free." And it's not just free for now, and then we'll, we're uh, going to charge for it later. It's free forever. If you have an Xbox One, just go ahead and download it. If you have games for Windows, you don't even have an Xbox, just you have a PC. Go ahead, you can have it. Like, it's yours. And they, they, they've been doing Game Pass on top of that, where you, you pay 10 bucks and they have all of their exclusive games will be on Game Pass. That that's That's crazy. They definitely seem like the good guys of gaming. And if you have an original Xbox or an Xbox 360, just it, uh, toss in your disc for those games uh, into an Xbox One, and it'll say, hey, uh, it seems like you have this old game. Do you want to download it for Xbox One? We can do the backward compatible version. For many of these games, we're even going to have Xbox One X enhanced versions, so they, they like work completely differently and they look differently on a on a 4k tv this isn't happening at nintendo and sony it really does seem like a different corporate infrastructure a different ideal tone that they're putting out there right well and here's the thing you actually have to look at this uh and i don't remember exactly when this was my memory's a little fuzzy it might have been e3 2014 um but i remember when these consoles were revealed to the world, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Xbox One came first. The, the Microsoft press conference came before the Sony press conference at, at E3. And Microsoft said, we've got this console we're making. It's Xbox One. Uh, it is expensive because we're packaging in a Kinect. And you can't say no. You've got to have a Kinect. So that's $100 extra you're going to spend. And that Kinect can't be turned off. It's watching you all the time. and probably just taking pictures of your junk, I don't know, and, and send, selling your information to ad agencies or something. And also, uh, there's going to be, like, no backwards compatibility. There's going to be uh, no used games. Used game, like, every game will be licensed. You won't actually own the disc. You won't be able to resell your games. Everything's licensed now because we don't want to support GameStop, you know, or whatever. We want to make our own money and not let you own the software. We're going to license. Everything's going to be licensed. All of these things they were pitching were really bad. Like, yeah, anti-consumer. <laughs> they were very bad ideas. 
anti-consumer practices that um, were obviously anti, like not even like overtly. Everyone hated it. And it like, seems the very, like someone mixed up their cue cards between a shareholders meeting and their E three presentation. Like, oh yeah, and I think like full they, a full yeah. like fifty percent. A full like fifty percent of that thing was just talking about multimedia features and how you could plug your HDMI in and out out of your Xbox, and then you could use the Xbox to watch TV through it and get extra features, and you could you know stream sports. This is a video <laughs> game. This is a video game console at a video game expo. Electronic entertainment, I guess, includes watching sports, but I don't know, yep. man. Uh, anyway, point is, Sony came out like swinging and basically shut them down and gave the most impressive conference i've ever watched of showing nothing but games exclusive games saying and then at the end they were just like uh we're, we're gonna let you own the you know we're not we're not gonna um do any of that anti-consumer like licensing anti-used game stuff uh we're gonna have all this stuff and it's also gonna be a hundred dollars cheaper than the xbox one when it launches um and the xbox one had like no games to show and all this other stuff and i right then and there i was like wow uh you know I, my, my playstation fanboyism was like beaming i was just like getting on the trash talk train to my friends who owned xboxes but you didn't buy um, it you didn't buy the the playstation 4 well here's here's the other thing is that i've never bought a um a console i very rarely have bought a console in the first year of its lifespan so within usually, that first year and the second year something changed you, you yeah, felt like, exactly like like something I, actually went different for microsoft yeah the flip was and, uh, and I, switch was flipped it was definitely an impressive turnaround in their pitch in their in their practices in their culture uh their marketing everything changed around that time because um, like Phil Spencer came in around that time. Um, but yeah. they obviously like they, they they had fires to put out and they knew it and they rose to the occasion. They changed. They made a more consumer friendly product and um, pushed it out the door. And they're still struggling, I think, uh, in terms of exclusives, in terms of um, impressing that crowd. Um, but they are really being consumer friendly, gamer friendly. Um, and working you know working to impress and and so for the record i'm I'm happy with my purchase even if i think objectively the xbox one is the worst of the two to buy uh in terms of like software and things that i mean i reg- i i don't regret it i look longingly through the shopping like window and see the the kid inside like playing the playstation and i wish i had it but that's latent that's the latent fan and loyalism of owning all those playstation consoles is i would be i'd kill to play god of war right now um and uh you know there's a lot of really good excuses that being said i don't buy a lot of video games i i buy a couple a year um and I play I play them a lot. And the ones I've bought for Xbox, I've been happy with. I've I use my Xbox every single day for gaming and also for multimedia. Uh, I'm happy with it. So, as a PlayStation fanboy, it's not that bad on the other side. I uh, 
so when when Sea of Thieves came out, I was planning on buying it straight up, but then they said at they being Microsoft said that their Game Pass will allow the same access to any games that it provides support for that a straight up purchase would. So me in my head thinking like, well, unless I really, really want that physical like disc and box for Sea of Thieves, I'm probably gonna buy the, the Game Pass version of it. It's it's just that much better of a deal financially. So I've been playing a lot of Game Pass games. And uh and Jeff, I gotta tell you, it's it's an absolute game changer. It's amazing. Uh we we've talked about this a little bit before, I think. But like I, I I played uh I think the first game I played with it was Super Lucky's Tale, which is a 3D platformer, which I'm I'm really into as a genre. 3D platformers that I would never have gotten if I had to pay for it. I never would have done it because the marketing on that game is terrible. The 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 ways that they've tried to sell the game, they they've shown the main character, Lucky, who is a fox who looks exactly like any super generic 3D platformer looking character that you could possibly imagine in your mind's eye. Um and he is really generic, but the game itself has a lot a lot of character put into it that I didn't expect. Like the levels go to interesting places and put Lucky into interesting situations I didn't I didn't foresee. Um the game is bad I think I I think I would I would say that relatively definitively the controls make going around in the 3D space which is the entirety of the game a chore I get soft locked a lot um but I I I saw the character in that game I would never have seen because of Game Pass and then the next game I played was Recore which is which was another thing that I think you don't need to play. Did you play Recore? No. Yeah, you don't need to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it had an amazing cinematic trailer at, at uh, E3 15 or 16, 2015 or 2016, where it showed the main character, Jewel, uh, interact with her like mechanical robot pets and when one of those died she would take the main core which is like that sphere that orb that you see it's a colored sphere with like some computery technology stuff inside of it and she put it in a different mechanical frame and then that thing like she took it out of a dog frame and put it into a gorilla frame and then it wrecked shop and that idea doesn't exactly exist as it's implied to exist in the final game. There's only five frames, and you can only, like, change their loadout in a certain place, so it's not like those trailers would would assert that it is. But I got to play it, and I got to have that little bit of turning back on that promise that <laughs> it, it seemed to allow for. Um, and then... Like tons of other games, like Rise of the Tomb Raider, is is there, and that's a the recent Tomb Raider game, the the most recent one. And if you ask me, hey, 
do you want to pay $60 for a Tomb Raider game? I would just say no. I wouldn't do it. But it said, would you like to pay a couple hours for a Tomb Raider game and you get it with your Game Pass subscription? I'm like, all in. I'm, I'm absolutely going to do it. The, this Game Pass thing, Jeff, uh, it's incredible. It's It's a new... It's a new way of interacting with games on a market that I, I don't think I can oversell. It's crazy. I'll say this much. So I, I'm a um, I'm a subscriber to MoviePass. Mm-hmm. Um, MoviePass is kind of a really, really similar in structure. You pay 10 bucks a month and uh, you get to just see all the movies you want to see. You can see one movie a day at the movie theater, um, and you can't see the same movie more than once, and there's various other restrictions to it. But essentially, it's a great deal if, assuming that a movie ticket is about $10, if you see one movie every month, you're going to break even. Uh, I am a consumer who loves going to the movies, even if the movie I'm going to see is not that good. I love the movies, and I see more than 20 movies a year, usually. I visit the movie theater probably 25 times a year. Wow, that's, um, that's a lot of times. And and that is absolutely not regular. Um, but MoviePass for me is like the greatest thing ever because that's just money in my pocket. And um, and I'm actually going to see more movies than usual because I have the MoviePass. Yeah, that's I the point. Yeah, it's more than usual. The point. It's more than you would have either But here's otherwise. the thing. Even if I had seen the exact amount that I normally see, it would be saving money for me and a lot more than the average person. But I think that the average person is not actually saving money on MoviePass because they're going more than they would have gone. Um, That's probably and so true. If, yeah. if, they, if they go more than they would have gone and they buy concessions, which is really what they want you to do, um, then they are they're really just marketing the movies in a new way to make you go. Um, and, and they also benefit from the fact that you have to buy it for a full year, even though there's no movies playing in February and there's a bunch of movies playing in July. You can't, you can't just cancel and then have it for one month at a time. Um, so they're smart that way. Now I think for the average movie going consumer, it's not a good deal. Uh, for me, it's a great deal. And I think that in terms of game, the reason I'm talking about this is bringing it back to Game Pass. I think that I'm on the opposite end. I think that the average gamer who owns an Xbox is probably going to be saving a, a, a lot of money by having a Game Pass. Um, but I think that me, my consumer habits, I don't see it applying to me. Sea of Thieves was the only game I was going to buy for my Xbox this year. Uh, you know that's probably true for me too, though. I I really didn't see myself buying Super Lucky's Tale or Tomb Raider or Recore at all. When offered to me free, though, it, it, it it's a different it's a different situation, so and I I wonder how you is, would react to it in that situation where if if uh if Microsoft just said, "Hey, you might have seen Recore, and your friend Mitchell specifically told you you don't need to play it." But what if what if you did though, <laughs> and it was free? How would you react to that? Would you try it? 
if it was free um, if it was free in that situation yeah Recore probably not. <laughs> okay, fair Tomb enough. Raider, pro- Tomb Raider probably yes. I would never have bought the new Tomb Raider, but I'd probably play it. Um, I would probably play it and not get very far into it. I I don't, I I don't have a lot of mental energy for different games. Uh, all in my headspace at a time. I'm pretty okay putting all my time into Sea of Thieves right now because it's the game I'm interested in right now. Um, and I probably wasn't going to buy another game this year. Now, if they were free, I give them a try and I'll probably have fun doing it. And I will say it was worth the money I spent, which was free. That being said, game pass is $120 a year, right? Yeah. So for me, uh, it's not a good deal. Now, there's two ways to look at that. You could look at it as it's not a good deal because I'm spending more money than I wanted to spend. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is it is a good deal because you're getting a lot more than what you're spending. You're you're getting considerably more than $120 worth of content for $120. Uh, in that sense, it is a good deal. In the, in the sense that you are getting your money's worth, but... Microsoft is make they're not giving shit away for free. They're making money on this deal because of the fact that you weren't going to spend that money. Do you think they um, can only do it because they're not in the lead? Do you think they can only Oh yeah. Like I, PlayStation I so. couldn't do this. Mm, that's a tough one. I think that the reason they are doing it is because they're not in the lead. But I don't think that means they couldn't do it if they were in the lead. I think Sony could do it. I think They'd have to be maybe more selective. I think it's a pretty insane deal um, that it's hard to imagine wanting to do it if you are in the lead. If you are in the lead, you don't really have a reason to do it. Yeah, um, fair enough. To say that, yeah, all of your first party games are included, like at launch, that's crazy. Um, and they don't need to do it because they're in the lead. They're going to make that money anyway. They're going to make more money than that by not doing it. Um, but anyway, I, I think that probably the average consumer is going to buy more than $120 worth of games this year. And now, if that's the case, what if, sorry, what if, what if pass. Xbox, what if Microsoft announces perfect dark at the C3? That's what the rumor is that maybe criterion is working on it. Um, a, a, some sort of perfect dark reboot, or extension game, something like that. Um, and I know you're a fan of Perfect Dark. You're, uh, I know you're a fan of first-person shooters, and you have an Xbox now. So, what do you do? What What do you do? You bought Sea of Thieves, and now you're also buying Perfect Dark. That's $120. And you would have gotten both of those for free with Game Pass, which would have also been $120 that had all of these extra games on top of it. Okay, so... Not not to ruin the hypothetical, because it's a good hypothetical, but I'm not convinced that I will buy a Perfect Dark, even if there is one this year. Okay, so I'm something not, else, I'm though. Not like that. Something but that they could was possibly something, If it's announce. something I had to have, like, you know, going with your hypothetical, um, I would probably... 
would you start Game Pass or would you get it? Would you just buy that? I think I'd start. Game? Ga- I think I'd start Game Pass, and here's the reason: that even though I would be sixty dollars out because I already bought Sea of Thieves, um, I'm now sixty dollars in the hole because I'm buying Game Pass anyway, and I could have just had Sea of Thieves for free. Um, even though that's the case, I'm not paying for Game Pass retroactively through the months of April sure. and March and and May. So really, I'm just gonna start Game Pass when Perfect Dark comes out, um, and I'm I'm gonna play Perfect Dark for what probably like ten dollars, maybe twenty or thirty if it keeps going for a few months, and maybe at that point I like Game Pass enough to keep with it and whatever. Um, but yeah, I think in that scenario I'd have to buy Game Pass. Uh, I think from this point on, it makes most sense instead of buying a first party game to just pay for game pass for the month or two months or whatever um and then maybe if you're buying in if you're playing enough first party games and you're enjoying it you just do it forever uh i think that if i'd have really thought hard about it when sea of thieves came out if they're i still probably wouldn't have bought game pass actually because i would have looked at it from the point of view of sea of thieves being the only game i was going to play this year um but yeah, going forward, I think I would go with Game Pass. So, Jeff, two things. One, I don't think I only put two shots of gin in that drink. I think it might have been a little bit more. <laughs> Oops. Uh, and and Whoops. number two, it's time for another game. Oh, shit. Here we go. Okay. Naruto. <laughs> oh, you got it. Uh, no, so first guest i know a few people started listening to, to this podcast at around the same time as i launched the mitch pitch for switch which was my uh my massive article that i i wrote regarding the pokemon series and what i would do in regards to like if, if i was put in charge of the pokemon series this is the game i would make uh it was called pokemon champions and jeff you helped me out with it so this is the that. first time I'm yeah. having you on the show since then. I think I had you on the show um, to talk about how we developed that that pitch. But I'm, I'm going to do something a lot less professional, a lot less planned, a lot more awkward, and a lot more of something that you are not going to be into. And I'm going to say, hey, Jeff, pitch something for the Switch right now. Are you going to say that, or is that you saying? I think that it? might have been me saying it. I am taking the role of you said, Furukawa. I'm going, okay. Uh, if that is his name, I think that's his name. The new president of Nintendo. Uh, I think it's Furukawa. Hang on. Uh, Nintendo. We, we probably need to know that if we're going to claim it. We we'll probably need to have yeah, the accurate. I know. Furukawa. Okay. You just you you threw me off because you you kind of didn't you said you said the sentence I uh I'm gonna do a thing I'm gonna say this and then you ended your thought right and I was waiting for the thing to I was waiting for the thing to come now I feel like I've caught up like conceptually I'm 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 on board now with where we are in the conversation now I know what that you're um, doing just, right now in in taking apart what I said is a form of stalling <laughs> and i do appreciate the uh the tactic stalling stalling <laughs> define stalling stalling <laughs> with any dictionary please stalling uh stalling? furukawa is the guy's um, name i'm gonna take his role um 
I am the president okay. of Nintendo. Okay. What I say goes. You don't need to convince anyone else. You show up to my office, and you you've established that this is a an uh, appointment earlier. You've established, hey, I have a pitch for you. And I said, fine, yeah, go ahead. Come in and show it. You're here. You're standing in front of me. I'm sitting at my desk. Go. Mm, okay. The game... Yeah, listeners, those who are listening, uh, I, I, I didn't expect this. Uh, Mitch, Mitch said that I didn't expect this, but I also wanted to say it so that you know that. I didn't prepare a thought. So here's a thought completely improvised thought i would make a i would pitch a switch okay. game we're into this that as, as uh Nintendo. yeah 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 uh jeff pitch for switch okay it's a game all right we like those this is a great start i would i want this is what i want this is what i want okay um, and, and normally I would try to pick a franchise that already exists and try to come up with like, how, how would I do a new one of those? But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just think of something switch based from the ground up. I want a game that is two player co-op. Each player uses a Joy-Con, right? Um, but you have to use the Joy-Cons, uh, and like the gyroscope motion controls and things that they've got to solve puzzles together. Um, you know, with the Joy Cons kind of moving so you them around do a in the co-op air, co-op puzzle game and, using motion control. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I, I think that'd be sweet. I think I I really like. Um, here actually, you know what? Let me back it up. I can I can get even more specific and and take it a okay. different direction. This is what I want. I want a game that centers your playing around the the switch screen not around a television screen and the switch screen sits flat on a table and the people who are playing the game sit around the table so this sounds a and, bit like one two switch um, no 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 no. one two switch has people standing up and doing stuff okay. right uh i'm not talking about a motion kind of actiony you're doing funny mini games thing I'm talking about um, a video game. Who? Okay. Like actual actiony, you know, not not like a physical um, mini game challenges involving shaking the remote around and doing funny stuff. I'm talking about a video game experience um, that is not based around looking up at a television or looking down at a screen, but instead is about sitting at a table around the screen and changing the way you um, are perceiving the the game. Uh, let me begin an example. There's a game on the Wii U. All right. Um, we made that called Bump. It's it's called Bumpy's Party Spin the Bottle. Is it really? That's a game. That is a that is a game on I'm the, the Wii U. I'm the president of Nintendo, the, um, and I've never heard of this game. Well, you're new, so we can forgive you for that. <laughs> um, so this game exists. It's called Spin the Bottle Bumpy's Party, and you play the game. You don't even need the TV on. You have the Wii U gamepad is in the center of the room. And then it has a bunch of mini games that involve you uh, interacting with the gamepad, interacting with Wii remotes and playing some fun games. And um, what I think is interesting about that is, and, and one, two switch, another example that you, you brought up does something similar 
it kind of removes the TV from the experience and builds a game around um, around the living room instead of the television. Um, and uh, so I want a game built around the tabletop. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a family-friendly goofball like party game. I want any kind of game. I want a whole genre of games that involve sitting at a table and interacting with a screen uh, in ways that you can't do sitting on a couch looking up now, at a Now, I brought you in my office today uh, because I thought you had an idea. But if you're just launching like a launch pad for other ideas, I, I, I don't know if I can buy in. What okay. about this? You need more detail. You need something specific. I've only got the beginnings I, of an I idea. I need something so to munch on. Let's, yeah. let's get... Let's get something to munch on. Let's just go a new, different direction. The game is titled Mario Party Switch. Okay. Here we go. Those usually okay. sell. The game, the game comes with uh, a cardboard board that has a cutout in the middle for the for the Switch's screen to sit, and uh, it's got like some peripherals that the joy pads plug into maybe i don't know i'm kind of improvising here but anyway it's a mario party game where everyone sits around a table and does mini games involving like okay people tap the table and the the switch picks up the vibration of you tapping the table or uh you know using the joy you know how nintendo labo is a thing that right exists. that was that was my that fault has I did some, that. i'm i am mr some, nintendo oh okay well, good job on it. I think it's a neat idea. They the Nintendo Labo has a uh, a very creative way of taking the technology of the Switch and the Joy-Con controllers and um, applying them into a physical setting in, in creative ways. Uh, you know, using the cardboard, using string and other stuff. Um, I think that you can do something like so let that. Me, let me cut you off here. Let me cut you off here. You're presenting the idea that we make as a toy con for Labo. A Mario Party game. Yeah, boom. Okay. Well, I think. Well, yeah. You said think about the types of mini games you could create um, using that technology, but it doesn't have to be sit on the couch and look at the TV. It can be sit around a table and look at each other's faces while we're laughing because the activities we're doing are silly, and that is fun. And so we're tapping the table and we're shaking the, the board and we're uh, and we're shaking the controllers, and and we're popping balloons. Now, very important and question. Very important question. Okay, Are we using we amiibo as question. game pieces? Oh, that's the missing piece. So the board isn't just cardboard; it has NFC chips. <laughs> and and, okay. and, and the NFC NFC chips cost pennies. You could put a hundred NFC chips in the thing, and it'd only be a couple dollars. So. If you if if you make a cardboard board with a bunch of NFC chips and and maybe the board also has to have some LED lights. Somewhere. I mean, absolutely, Who knows? yeah. It, that, it's that cardboard. Would it the, looks that would add to the cost. LEDs. So you add to the cost there. But I think we can definitely make manufacture and market this product at a reasonable price point for the Switch audience. In a way, you're moving amiibos around a physical board. And then using the technology of the Joy-Cons to pull off some interesting new types of minigames that haven't been possible before. And you're creating, just in general, a unique 
experience for for people to uh, sit around the table, but also play an electronic game. It's the melding of the analog tabletop experience with the digital technology experience of 2018 in a way that only Nintendo could bring to life. So really quick, I have to say a couple things. First, I'm in. I need to tell my brother, who's also named Mr. Nintendo. I know I said I was Mr. Furukawa, but I think I'm Mr. Nintendo now. Uh, I need to tell the other Mr. Nintendos about this, and I'm sure they're going to be into it. I just need to clear with them first. And also, um, can we charge 120 for it? Can, how much money do you think we can charge for this? Um, so no amiibos included or amiibos included? Um, one amiibo included. One amiibo included with the board and the software. Sure. I think $99. $99. A third of the system's cost. Yes. I'm in. But what you're not I'm in. understanding, you're I'm in. in. You don't need to say anymore. I think we got it. Yeah, well, there we go. I'm, I won both of the games today. Did you know that? I did. <laughs> you got me on both the games today. I'm two. For, I'm two for two. I'm a game winner. I think that's gonna do it. For... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for Mid Jump After Dark. I've been Mitchell Wolf, and I've been here with Jeff Onan. I've been. Oh, you were gonna say. I was it gonna for say me. it for you. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's so. It's so after dark, Mitch. We're we're starting to so lose after it. Dark, that's how after yeah. dark it is. Please, if you right, hated this, if you listening. didn't want your mid-jump or super-jump podcast time slot to be taken up with something as rambly as this, you gotta let me know. Secret here, listeners, we don't get that much feedback. So as as long as you're not giving me feedback, I assume everything I'm doing for this feed is fantastic. Uh, if you want to correct that, you can remember to subscribe to us on iTunes or Podbean or Pod uh castbox or stitcher or any of those and you can rate us at any of those places and and we'll read those additionally you could send an email directly to podcast at superjumpmagazine.com that's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com if you want to give us a pointer if you want to say hey i hated that episode after dark or you want to say hey i love that episode after dark here's what i would do next time and you want to have your, your your thoughts read on the show or a question answered on the show, you can do that, again, at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. And until next time, stay super.